Today, Jess Strabitsky of Charting with Jess joins me to talk all about fertility awareness and how to use it for contraception. That's right, it's possible to use fertility awareness for natural pregnancy prevention. So, who is Jess Strabitsky? Well, Jess is a certified fertility awareness instructor with the Natural Family Planning Teachers Association, and she teaches the symptothermal method. So we'll talk, she'll share a little bit more about what that means in today's episode. Jess created Charting with Jess to teach women how to quit hormonal birth control and instead use a natural form of contraception. She's obsessed with women's hormones, and she loves to help women from all walks of life see the amazing changes that are possible within their bodies when they quit hormonal birth control. Jess understands that it can definitely be overwhelming to learn and adapt this method, especially when you're first coming off hormonal birth control, because things are oftentimes a little bit weird anyways. Uh, when that happens. And she under, she is there for her clients so that they feel supported, empowered, safe, and secure while learning how to use fertility awareness method. After working with Jess, you'll have a deeper understanding of not only your menstrual cycle, but also of how these cyclical hormonal changes affect your physical, mental, and emotional health each month. During this episode, Jess talks about kind of the natural ebbs and flow of our energy in the follicular phase, the pre-ovulatory, ovulatory, and luteal phase, and of course, during your period um, of each cycle. And yes, this varies from woman to woman a bit um, and can be reflective of other things that are going on. For instance, uh, if you're very close to being anemic, um, things might feel a little bit different and your energy might fluctuate a little bit differently than how Jess describes each month. However, um, what she's sharing is what is possible with a healthy cycle. Uh, speaking of healthy cycles, so Rain Organica is about to launch uh, its first ever course. And this course will be free. It is one that you have to sign up for. And uh, what is it? Well, it's Ayurveda's view of menstruation. And this topic surprised even me. Uh, I, you told me 10 years ago that I'd be putting together a course on menstruation. I would have laughed. Um, so it was after... How this came about is, um, you know, growing, growing up and reading the Bible, I always thought it was really unfair in the Old Testament when menstruating women were barred from participating in certain spiritual ceremonies. Um, it just felt, as one who feels <laughs> that a period is a burden, um, it feels like adding insult to injury when women are disallowed from participating in certain ceremonies simply because they're on their cycle. So um, 
it took Ayurveda to, for me to understand that the reason for women being barred from that is actually related to their health and not necessarily related to the, um, the sanctity of the ritual. So we cover that legend in addition to a few other ones, like should you wash your hair during your period? Um, and what's the deal? I mean, I, I think this one's pretty obvious, but what's the deal with avoiding inversions in your yoga poses during your period? So we talk about that as well. And then in addition, um, going back to what a healthy cycle looks like and tying it back in with uh, Jess's interview today. So Ayurveda views a healthy period as one that does not involve any symptoms of discomfort. So whether that's a headache, whether that is lower abdominal pain, uh, lower back pain, either during your period or during that PMS phase, um, or whether it's just having trigger happy emotions um, or being extremely just angry in general um, during your PMS phase or during your period. So it views all of those as unhealthy symptoms or symptoms of an unhealthy cycle. And so Ayurveda definitely shares some tips and um, I hate to use the word tips. I, my words are failing me here. Um, some guidance in general on how to support your body so that you're able to achieve a healthier cycle, both for your period itself and then throughout your entire menstrual cycle. So be sure to click that link in today's show notes to head over and register for that free course. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Holistic Wellness, a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. Today, Jess of Charting with Jess joins me to talk about fertility awareness method. Jess, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Can you share a little of your journey with how you discovered the fertility awareness method and then why you're using it and maybe more importantly, how you're using it? Yeah, of course. So it was a few years ago now, maybe six years ago, I was um, following a lot of health health and wellness people and really looking into women's health coaching. And I received an email from someone and it said in big, bold letters in the email, natural birth control. And at the time I was on the pill and I knew that it wasn't right for me, but there was no other option I had. That was the only way um, to avoid a pregnancy. And I was purely on uh, birth control for contraception reasons. 
And when I saw the words natural birth control, that spun my world. And I was like, what is this? I need to look this up. I started researching the rest of the day. I remember very clearly it was a Saturday morning and I was laying in bed um, as you do sleeping in. And I was just down this rabbit hole and searching what is fertility awareness? How can I use it? And immediately I was like, I need to stop taking the pill and start using this, um, which is what I did. So I love that you're using something that has the name fertility in it for contraception and you're doing it naturally. Yeah. A lot of people think that fertility awareness is for people that only want to get pregnant, but essentially what you are doing is finding out that fertile window. And once you know your fertile window, you decide how you behave in that window. So it's whether you abstain from any intercourse to avoid a pregnancy or you have intercourse because your goal is to get pregnant. So can you talk a little bit about how you know when your fertility window is coming up? Yeah, so fertility awareness is using the um, main two biomarkers, which is your basal body temperature. Um, and then the other one is cervical mucus. So you would take your temperature every morning when you wake up, and then you would put that on a graph, whether you're using a paper chart or an app, and then you would check your cervical mucus throughout the day. And from these two signs, you can determine when your fertile window opens and when it closes, um, because you can see what type of cervical mucus you're getting and then also what your temperature is doing. So when you have ovulated, your temperature spikes and then it will stay high. So that's what we're looking for, that spike in temperature. Okay. So with this, specifically with your cervical mucus, is there a warning? So it changes before you can get pregnant because maybe we should talk about once you ovulate, how long you're fertile for, and then also how long you're fertile for before you ovulate. Maybe we should start there. Yeah, it does vary from person to person. A lot of people ask me this question as well, like how long is my fertile window? And it really determines how long your cycle is. Um, the longer your cycle is, whether it's 32 days, 34 days, then the longer your fertile window will be. If you have shorter cycles on the like 27, 28 days, then your fertile window will be a little bit shorter and probably be around a week. Um, whereas if you have longer cycles, you're looking at one and a half to two weeks of fertile window. Um, but it does depend on what your cervical mucus is doing um, because that opens up our fertile window. So once you see any type of cervical mucus, then you would note that your fertile window has opened. Okay. And then the close of that is just based on the spike in, in the basal body temperature, or is there also a shift in cervical mucus? Yeah, there's a shift in temperature. There's a temperature spike and we need to confirm that it's high enough. And then your cervical mucus um, also changes. So you will go from a more, from a fertile type of mucus to a non-fertile type mucus, or even dry. Some people go completely dry. So you're looking at what these signs are telling you to yeah, determine when your fertile window is closed. Okay. And what are signs of a fertile cervical mucus? 
Yeah, so your fertile or peak type mucus, which is also um, another word for it, is um, you can have some egg white stretchy mucus. So a lot of people um, will notice there's this really stretchy egg white. It's The name is egg white because it literally looks like egg whites when you crack an egg open. Um, and it's very stretchy. It will be slippery, um, almost slimy. If you are wiping at the vulva, it's usually very slippery. So I find when I am in my fertile window and I'm in the bathroom wiping, it glides a lot easier. Whereas when I'm not fertile, it may be it's a bit dry or the toilet paper crumbles um, because it gets caught. Um, the other type of fertile mucus that you might see is wet, watery. So a lot of people get disheartened because they start charting and then they don't see any egg white. And that was what happened to me. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have any egg white stretchy? But um, your watery type mucus is actually a watered down version of that stretchy um, mucus. So you can have very wet and watery, slippery type as well at the vulva. Okay. <clears throat> so you alluded to this a little bit, the duration of a healthy menstrual cycle. Could we talk a little bit more about that, the total duration, and then what the stages are of the menstrual cycle? Yeah, sure. So um, the total duration does vary from person to person again. Um, if you are having less than 26-day cycles, then um, it'd be good to look into that because you should have at least 27, 28-day cycle. Um, and then anything over 35 days cycle is also something to look at as well. So you want to be in between the 28 to 35 days is a really good um, cycle length because it does vary from person to person. Um, and then you've got menstruation. So that is the first day of any heavy flow, whether you need to use a pad or tampon or cup or whatever you use. Um, so that is start of cycle day one. And then your period should last for about five to seven days. And then from there, you move into the follicular phase. So this is um, when your estrogen rises and you start to develop the um, follicle in the ovary. So that way, when you do get to ovulation, the egg is released um at ovulation so you've got menstruation follicular phase then ovulation um, which is only a short window it's about 24 to 48 hours um, when that egg is released and then once that egg's released um, and you start secreting progesterone you move into the luteal phase and that's that last um, half of the cycle be just before you get your period and then it repeats itself again okay Thank you for walking through that. So for someone that wants to stop oral contraception and use natural contraception instead, what are, is there any prep work that goes into that? Or can you literally just stop taking the pill? Yeah, at now it is um, advised that you do some prep work because we're finding that a lot of people do quit hormonal birth control cold turkey. And for some people that can cause a lot of hormonal imbalances and issues because any hormonal birth control will deplete your nutrients. Um, so what a lot of people are doing at the moment is that they will work with a practitioner or supplement um, for a couple of months before they 
stop taking the or any um, birth control. So that way, when you do stop, your body is supported um, from being depleted from any nutrients. Because the longer you've been on hormonal birth control, then the longer those effects are happening in your body as well. Okay. So what are some of the supplements or what does that look like, the alternate nutrition? Yeah. um, So anything like a multivitamin is a good start, but focusing on things like magnesium and zinc um, or your B vitamins, those are the main ones that do get depleted. Um, And they are also important building blocks to, um, to your hormones as well. Um, And having enough fat in your diet as well. Um, A lot of people tend to shy away from fat because we think that it's bad, but having good fats such as like avocado or um, olive oil, um, coconut yogurt, those sort of foods also are really good to help um, boost your hormones to um, have more fat in your diet because that helps with cholesterol and cholesterol is a form from, is formed from progesterone and they sort of are building blocks to help us ovulate. Okay. So what happened or how frequently do you work with people who are experiencing post birth control syndrome? Yeah, quite a few, um, people can experience it. And it also depends once again, what hormonal birth control you're on, how long you were on for, um, did you have any underlying issues before you started taking hormonal birth control? I find that um, a lot of people that didn't go on hormonal birth control for contraception reasons, so whether the doctor prescribed them a hormonal birth control, such as the pill for their acne um, or really bad cramps or heavy bleeding, when you stop taking that hormonal birth control, sometimes those symptoms can arise again um, and be even worse. So you sort of have that post-pill um, the post-pill syndrome. Um, also things like your skin and acne can also come back just because your body's trying to detox these synthetic hormones out of your body, um, which is detox through the liver. And then that's why you might see, um, skin issues like acne when the liver's overworked, trying to, um, trying to excrete the synthetic hormones. So I do see it. It is quite common, um, for people that have stopped birth control, but then I have seen a few people that literally their cycles just resume back to normal, like nothing happened. And I think they're the lucky ones in a way as well. But I do encourage my clients to get support from a practitioner um, in the sense of working with a naturopath or Chinese medicine doctor or a hormone specialist or even nutritionist just to um, work on those underlying issues that they might be seeing. Okay. Is this something that can clear up on its own or does it generally take working with a practitioner? I think it can be cleared up on its own um, if you are patient enough, um, especially with my journey. When I stopped the pill, I had really, really bad skin and I couldn't couldn't leave it on its own. I had to do something about it. Um, but I'm, I think if you left it, then eventually it should clear up. Um, but if you want to sort of fast track those things, then it's good to get support. Okay. So likewise, what about women who are coming off the pill or maybe have never been on the pill and their cycles are either very long or very short. So they're outside that normal range. 
what, I guess, what are your recommendations for them? And is it the same to work with a practitioner? Yeah, because maybe there was something underlying from when they were a teenager or um, when they got their period. So those sort of underlying issues have maybe carried on and have stayed there just because they haven't been on hormonal birth control. Some people start their period or they start menstruating when they're 12, 13, 14, and they sort of run into some issues with their hormones. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's a good idea to always work on your hormone health because ovulation is so important. Um, if we're not ovulating, then that can create so many other issues in the body as well. So you take this a step further, even than just using fertility awareness for your own contraception and actually plan your activities around your cycle. Can you talk through that more? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I actually, in my calendar, I write out where I am or which phase of cycle I'm in. So I, it's, you can't really predict, but you can, you can't know exactly when you'll get your period, but you can predict when you'll sort of be in that menstrual phase. Um, so I sort of put in my calendar when I am in menstrual and then I leave seven days for that. And then I will plan out follicular and ovulation and luteal phase. Um, because when we have our period, we tend to be a lot more tired. We have low energy and it's a great time to rest. So that way I don't plan any intense activities around that time. Sometimes we can't avoid it because life is life. Um, but if you can do the best you can to allow space to rest in that time, I find that the rest of your cycle is a lot better because you've allowed that time when your hormones are at its lowest point to rest and recharge. So do more self-care practices, whether you want to take a bath um, or gentle walking, don't do very vigorous, heavy lifting weights at the gym, for example. Um, another thing that I avoid is that if um, you do any like waxing hair removal appointments, anything like that to avoid in your menstrual phase because your pain sensitivity is a lot higher. Um, so I try and avoid any of those kind of appointments in menstrual phase. Um, for example, if I'm um, doing a podcast interview like this, I will try and plan it in follicular or ovulation because at that point is when I'm going to have the most energy and feel um, feel a lot higher energy because my hormones are at its most peak around that time as well. Um, and then a lot of people find that um, that week before their period, they get really tired and grumpy. That's when PMS is really high. So that's also a good time to start declining um, any activities and sort of preparing for rest. I also find that I, or something that I've noticed is that I tend to, um, I tend to want to clean my house, spring clean and cook a lot of um, meals to have in the fridge when I'm in that luteal phase. So that way, when I get to um, the menstrual phase, I have some food in the fridge when I cannot be bothered cooking at that time or, um, to allow that space to come through as well for rest. So that's sort of how I plan my, my cycles around my life and it's really benefited. And I know that when I don't do those things and go against the grain, then I see that reflect in, in the next cycle. Oh, wow. That's, 
that's really beautiful that you're planning your life around your cycle. How important do you think it is that women ovulate with the moon? I mean, is this, this feels like something everybody's talking about these days and I don't know, I'm on the fence about it myself, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I also read that when I first started charting that you generally would ovulate around the full moon and then you bleed with the new moon. But over the last six years, I have seen my cycles ebb and flow and sometimes it flips to the opposite way. So I will ovulate on the new moon and then I will bleed on the full moon. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that and there's no right or wrong way. Um, but I have heard some interesting things that if you are ovulating on the full moon, oh, sorry, on the new moon, because you're the opposite, um, then that sort of means that, um, oh, I can't remember now what it, what they said. Yeah. Cause I, th- I believe I'd read that too about, or at least read some things. It might've not been the same thing about, um, the women who ovulate on the new moon are typically the leaders or the healers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've read that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That they typically are um, the leaders. And then if you, which is why it's, it swaps. So then that way in the tribal days, then everyone can swap and then have like a caretaking role or a leader role Um, And then it sort of gives those people a break and then it switches around. Okay. So do you know whether it's a myth or not that women's cycles sink? I don't know if it, because it hasn't been proven. Yeah. But we see so many people that um, are, are living with other women and then all of a sudden their cycles sink. Yeah and they sync up. So there might be some energy, some energy thing out there that syncs them up and connects them together. And I've seen that happen with my family members when I've spent a lot of time with them, with my sister or my aunt, we sync cycles. Yeah. Um, is, so how do you work with people? Do you work with them one-on-one with tracking their cycles or are you more group setting or how do, how do you work with people to teach them awareness about their own cycles? Uh, at the moment I do both. Um, the group course is just something new. We just finished the first round um, that we started in February, but I did start with one-on-one clients um, and I would work with them for three months or over three cycles because it takes about three cycles to learn um, your body's cycle and to learn the fertility awareness method. Um, some people need longer. It did take me about eight to 12 months to really grasp the method and understand it. And I think that comes down to also because I was on the pill and when I stopped the pill, my cycles were all over the place, um, which, which is usually what happens, but that can also affect the learning period time as well. Um, but yeah, I generally work with them for three cycles, um, meeting once a month on zoom to discuss the method and the rules and then go over their charts together, um, to show them how they can see when their fertile window opens, when it closes, when they can confirm ovulation. 
Um, And then I started doing a group course at the start of this year. Um, We did the first round, which was awesome. And because I wanted that community aspect, a lot of people chart their cycles and they'll tell their friends or they'll tell their family members, their mother, sister, aunt, and a lot of people don't know about it. So they don't really have that support to fall back on. So I really wanted to create that community where everyone can come together and ask questions and not necessarily just about charting. You know, we talk things about menstrual cycle phases and um, sort of how we're feeling or any emotions that are coming up. Um, maybe cervical mucus that they didn't know um, what it was and they're posting photos in the group of what type of mucus they can see. Um, So, yeah, that that just finished up a few weeks ago and that was a lot of fun. So we were meeting once a week on Zoom and they would also get weekly modules to watch in their own time. So I always tell people, depends how you want to learn. Do you want to learn on on your own and sort of watch the modules or do you want to work one-on-one with me specifically and tailor it to your learning as well? Because some people have already charted a few cycles, so they have a better understanding and some people are completely brand new as well. As we begin to wrap up, is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you would like to bring up about fertility awareness method? I don't think so. I would just like to say that no matter where you are in your life or what stage or what type of cycle you have, fertility awareness is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you want to avoid pregnancy. If you want a pregnancy, it doesn't matter if you have long or irregular cycles or if you have really short cycles, Um, it works for everyone and it can be a really good insight to what your cycles are doing because a lot of people think they have irregular cycles because they're not even tracking and then once they chart they realize oh my period does come every 30 days I thought I was irregular so I like to say it's a monthly health report card that you get yeah how can people find you you can find me on Instagram at charting with Jess that's where I'm most active Um, if you want to send me a DM on there as well, or you can go to my website, www.chartingwithjess.com, or you can send me an email, um, jess at chartingwithjess.com as well. Okay. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being here and so much for taking the time to walk through the fertility awareness method. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. Next time on Holistic Wellness, We're, well, to be honest, I'm not sure what we're doing next time. It's possible that it will be one of two series starting up next. So the one that uh, right now I have in mind for next time is one on Ayurveda and Panchakarma. So Panchakarma is the, uh, it's a cleansing process in Ayurveda. It means five actions. Panchakarma is a Sanskrit word that means five actions. And this is talking about what those are and uh, what the intention is for using those. Um, And this is like a full body cleanse. It looks much different than the Western view of the word detox or detox diet or anything like that looks. 
And the reason for spending an entire episode on that in particular is because I recorded an interview with Kate O'Donnell. Uh, she is an Ayurvedic practitioner. Well, she is an Ayurvedic teacher. She uh, leads courses on Ayurveda and has written several amazing books. And in part of that interview, uh, which goes along with this series, she spends some time talking about her experience with Panchakarma. And so I think it's really important to have a foundation for you to understand what that means and kind of what it involves before airing that interview with Kate. So that is definitely what, um, that's the plan for the next time, assuming that I get uh, my solo session recorded in time. If not, what we'll be doing is a series on oils and specifically vegetable oils. There's all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of talk these days about how PUFAs are bad for you. So we're kind of setting the story straight on PUFAs versus saturated fatty acids. And then as part of that series will be an interview with the founders of Fatty 15, a newly discovered essential fatty acid that is actually a saturated fatty acid. And this one in particular is very different from all of the other fatty acids you've likely ever heard about. So that those are the next two series scheduled for the podcast. Be sure you hit that subscribe button. As always, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me when you share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with anyone you know, coworker, whatever, um, who would be interested in hearing it. Again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye.